here, there, and everywhere. SAFM 105.6 FM in Palabora. I know that a lot of you still wanted to make comments on the speech yesterday that was given by the president. And so we had to move on to another interview because we were not going to keep the minister waiting. But the lines are open, 0891-104-207. And uh, let's continue because I know that a lot of you still wanted to comment. A lot of you had voice notes and so on. We'll take those voice notes. We'll uh, read your SMSs and so on. We'll also allow you to, to give us a call. And we continue our reaction on what the president said yesterday. So uh, I've also asked uh, Oxfam South Africa to give us their take on what they thought of the speech yesterday. So I'm joined on the line by the governance uh, program manager at Oxfam South Africa, Mtandazo Nzovushasha. Thank you so much, Mtandazo, for joining us. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, and thank you for having us. I mean, I know it's early days. I know you haven't convened and sat together and come up with a, a whole a paper as a response to the president's speech, but just a knee-jerk reaction from Oxfam from what we heard yesterday. Well, I think in principle we do recognize and welcome uh, the president's speech and announcement. Uh, in a way, it will enable communities to kind of confront uh, the virus head on, uh, but of course, uh, there could have been other measures uh, that he could have spoken to. Um, for instance, uh, the stimulus uh, intervention uh, must must be matched with massive uh, unlocking of the economy. But of course, there are various and specific details which I think uh, are welcome and good for um, uh, as a me- mechanism for uh, social protection. Uh, for instance, the additional uh, uh, monthly uh, allowance to the social grants uh, to the to the young, to the elderly, uh, will go a long way in reducing household food insecurity um, and destitution. Uh, and of course, the the newly proposed COVID-19 uh, basic income grant is also a step in the right direction. Uh, however, I mean, looking at um, uh, global uh, practice and standards, it could have been better. Perhaps uh, we could have started uh, uh, at um, uh, picking it around uh, 561 or so, that being the, the, the lower uh, the lower bound uh, uh, of poverty line. You mean the, um, the 350? The 350, yes, exactly. Because if you look at Brazil, I think they're starting there at around 2,100 if I'm, I'm correct, based on some of the statistics and data that is emerging currently. Yeah. So you, you've, you know, as you said, you've compared a lot of countries. You understand our complexities as well, very well. I, I, I have to tell you, unless if I've misunderstood this, this is not going to be there for more than six months, correct? That's what, according to the statement, yes, um, uh, it is suggested that it will be for not more than six months. Yes. Um, and, and, and hence we are saying it is a right step in the right direction. I'm anxious. Uh, we, hope, we, 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 we do hope that uh, in, in the interim period there will be, of course, interventions uh, that would then uh, uh, make proposals uh, to make it a longer-term uh, solution because unemployment is a permanent feature now. It's no longer a temporal a setback. Uh, we have got plus or minus between 10 to 11 
million for unemployed people. Let me just ask you, based on what we've seen the response to be, you know, you, you, we've just spoken about the 350 rand, which is unprecedented in this country, nonetheless. Um, we've never seen this kind of thing before. Yes, uh, it, 350 is, is very little. I mean, I tried to figure it out myself. What would I buy? What would I leave out? Um, but the sentiment is there, and I, and I understand. I asked earlier a colleague you know, who's going to have the guts to to pull the plug on it, number one? And number mm-hmm. two, with the recovery plan, is it ever going to be possible to to pull all these people who we're going to now withdraw this money from into a working community? How possible is it? <laughs> I doubt if it would be possible. And uh, my belief is that I think uh, as this is a social uh, intervention uh, more from a relief perspective. I think we should start thinking of a, a, a post-COVID-19 uh, uh, stimulus uh, intervention uh, that talks to and is directed at uh, uh, unlocking uh, the potential of the economy, of course, uh, boosting productivity at a local level. I think if we were to start imagining and working on those sectors and ensuring that uh, uh, we resuscitated the local industries and, of course, massive investments uh, that must go into our public health care system, creating uh, additional jobs uh, that are, n- are necessary, especially for the young people, and as well investments in our, in our usual uh, productive sectors, investing in agriculture, uh, especially as we have been uh, in, in the phase in, of discussions of, of the land reform program. So let, let me ask you this, you know, and, and somebody called earlier and asked the question, which is obvious. Th- what COVID-19 has done is actually just open the lid on a can of worms we've been sitting on for a long time. None of these issues are new. So unemployment has been a problem for a long time. People have been going to bed hungry in this country. So we are recognizing it now. COVID-19 is a really fantastic opportunity for us to look at it and address it. But none of these things are new, to be quite honest. What I would like you to think about before I go to a quick break is what will be different in how government and all of us are going to look at the problem in the face and react in the manner that we should have been reacting all along in the first place. So that's what I just want to think. I leave you with and, and think about that for a second as I take a quick break. And I also want to welcome your calls if you want to comment on this conversation. I'm in conversation with the Governance Program Manager at Oxfam South Africa, Mtandazondlo Vushasha, and you're welcome to be a part of this conversation. 0891-104-207. Here, there, and everywhere. SAFM 106.2 FM in Tohoyando. I'm in conversation with Oxfam. Governance Program Manager is joining me, Mtanda Zondlo Vushasa, when we are just really unpacking what we heard yesterday from the President and how we're going to take it forward. Uh, we were told that this is stage two. There is a stage three coming, which is meant to be a recovery plan. And my question before the ad break uh, was to uh, our Governance Program Manager at Oxfam, what will be different? You know, people have been out of jobs for a long 
long time. We know that South Africans have been going to bed hungry. We know that there's been a big missing middle. There are so many complexities to what makes this a society that we know as South Africa. How will we treat post-COVID-19 different? Yeah, I think life beyond COVID-19 won't be the same. As you correctly say and point it, I mean, uh, uh, there's this reality that uh, one in four people in South Africa suffers from hunger on a regular basis. And of course, uh, one in five women older than uh, 18 years continue to face um, uh, physical violence, gender-based violence. These are some of the realities that we, we have been living with and we can't afford to move into the new uh, with the old. And I think this is giving us an opportunity to reset, uh, start thinking about how we mobilize domestic resources. Uh, there are opportunities, I mean, uh, uh, in my view, around how we could um, uh, mobilize resources uh, at a domestic level um, and removing barriers uh, to people accessing uh, opportunities, in particular in this instance, as we have seen, accessing uh, public health care or health care services. These are some of the social ills that we've been grappling with. Uh, but, I mean, there are some models uh, that I think have worked somewhere else uh, which can be employed, I mean, investing in other productive sectors and economies such as um, working and mobilizing uh, the informal sectors, working with the people in the recycling and uh, waste pickers uh, a sector that's an area where there is potential to create jobs uh, for people to uh, earn a livelihood and for self-reliance. But I think significantly to be uh, a moment for South Africa, but Africa as a whole, uh, to kind of reset, reimagining, and improve on our governance systems and financial um, and resource mobilisation in particular. As we go and engage even with the global world, we should be able now to to bargain and negotiate for policies and, and partnerships uh, that favor uh, the people at, at the end of the day. Um, Let me just take the calls as I said I would. Richard, you're calling us from Pretoria. Good afternoon, Richard. Hello, ma'am. Hello. Welcome to the show. Yeah, ma'am. Like, like I was saying, the, the, the speech for the president was, was fine. It was excellent. It, uh, it was humbling. So, But the, the thing which uh, I, I found it... Uh, was uh, where I get disappointed, mm. to be honest, because all the categories, uh, people who are, who are employed and uh, who are still at home, who are off from home from work, they, they will get covered by, by, the, by the state, according to what the president has said. And even all the grand people, all sorts of things. But for the healthcare or the essentials, Essential services providers. I, I, I didn't see anything which maybe that you have mentioned to show appreciation from the work which they are doing. Because mm-hmm. now, at least if the government have just said uh, to appreciate our essential services people, if maybe they, they can also offer them maybe a, a tax-free, tax-free maybe for three months or six months, just to appreciate as frontliners to to show that uh, they, they are sh- they are showing that they appreciate the work which they are doing, but now the the, the, the way we we we, we it, it's it now 
it's for the hell is it for the essentials to go outside as a front front uh, people then they, they will get uh, the corona then they will take it back to so, 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 Richard, let, let, let's just maybe just clarify one or two things. And I, I'm happy that I've got somebody here who's maybe going to also assist me with clarifying this. OK, so there okay. is a bulk um, amount of money. Number one, that was the first thing he addressed that is going to go to health. Okay, and we also know that the nurses, for instance, I'm just giving you an example, have been bargaining for a raise. Uh, my assumption, and this is where we need to be slightly patient, and that's why I said earlier that this is a knee-jerk reaction because we actually don't have the detail now yet of the plans. So I, I could be wrong, um, Tandazo, but we don't know whether this boost into the healthcare uh, system will also mean maybe that health workers are going to get more money. We don't know that yet, do we? We don't know uh, those details yet. Uh, as much as I think he did mention around $20 billion, uh, that will be earmarked uh, for interventions around public health care. Um, and he mentioned things around screening and tracing and, and, and purchasing of protective clothing. And, of course, the bit of uh, recruitment of additional staff, yes. I, assuming that that may be temporal staff until we go beyond the COVID-19 mm. uh, crisis. We know that the public health infrastructure is facing challenges, um, the inequalities that exist between the public and the private. One of the missed opportunities, which I thought the president was going to address, mm. was to try and moderate and bring a conversation mm. uh, that ensures that the private healthcare system uh, plays its role, mm. in particular in ensuring that the vulnerable groups also do access those facilities. It, uh, uh, for instance, in this moment, just for for testing purposes. Uh, they haven't come out uh, in solidarity. If you were to build social compacts uh, in society, I think the private sector must come on board as well. But of course, as the head of state, uh, he missed the opportunity to engage uh, with those other role players. We are quite, of course, sensitive that, um, as we have seen in the past, that uh, with such uh, cash injections, there's always prospects for uh, corruption and misuse mm. of resources. I think so. The president could have also assisted the moment to kind of institute interim or temporal uh, court system measures to, to deal and hang with any corrupt cases that may arise. Yep. We have seen the rise in the number of gender-based violence during this lockdown period, and, and there hasn't been any particular court system that is readily uh, available to respond and deal with such cases. We could borrow... Uh, from the World Cup 2010, I think there was such an infrastructure mm. uh, for crime. So I think during this moment, we should be able to have courts that are able to deal and respond uh, to, to acts of corruption and violence. Let's take a quick break. I do see you, Mavunda. I'll take your call in a short while. The number is 891 as I continue my conversation with Oxfam. Here, there, and everywhere. SAFM 104.9 FM in Port Shepston. 
I'm in conversation with Ndandazondo Vuhlahla, who's a governance program manager at Oxfam South Africa. And before we went to a quick break, he was just uh, talking about uh, if we were able to set up those special courts, for instance, for gender-based violence. Let me tell you, uh, there's, that's that, there's that court that I want to be set up. And the other is for corrupt officials who've taken this opportunity at a time like this to steal from the poor. Ntandazo, your response to that? Uh, yeah, if, I mean, if it were according to me, they should have been arrested and yeah. taken to court, prosecuted. And that's why we're saying perhaps there's a need to have structured uh, approach and relationships that exist between government and civil society and other actors. And those partnerships should be enforceable uh, in a way that uh, various stakeholders play an oversight role. And I think it's also now incumbent upon the, the National Assembly and various committees to kind of play their roles quite effectively and ensure that uh, uh, not even a single cent uh, gets diverted uh, from the main cause. And um, yeah, I think having those courts and systems uh, to detect uh, and, uh, and uh, deal with uh, acts of corruption, I think uh, those should be instituted as a matter of urgency. Mavondla, you're calling from Peter Marisburg. Welcome to the show and thanks for your patience. Yes, hello, Pamela. Hello, good Good afternoon. Yes, um, I think this uh, uh, money, 350 for unemployment, mm. is a good move for, from the president because uh, he's, he first has to have the database of the people and categorize them and uh, as we move forward it's going to increase the money for sure. Thanks very much, Mavundla, for that. Before I let you respond to that, um, Tadazo, I just want you also to add to your response. My my anxiety here is administratively we know that government is very slow. We've also just established the fact that you and I are, from what we are reading here, this is only going to be a six-month emergency plan, right? So it's not going to be around for very, very long. The capacity that government has to process, number one, all these people that are not necessarily on Sasa's database. <coughs> Number two, the fact that we know that many South Africans, I'm not talking about now foreigners, I'm talking about South Africans, there are many South Africans that are not documented, that do not have birth certificates, that do not have IDs. It's, it's a discussion we've had before and something that we shy away from admitting, but that's the truth. How are we going to verify those people? What mechanisms are we going to put in place to give them that 350 that is now their right to access and how quickly are we going to be able to process it by the time um, you know hopefully so that we can do it before the six months sort of comes around it's a very difficult one we we're hoping that and maybe hoping that the ministers in their uh, daily briefings would also provide some bit of details uh, related to the question of uh, non-nationals or migrants or undocumented people living in South Africa, how they hope be hang it. Um, the reality of the matter is that uh, not including them uh, would be also uh, catastrophic in a, in a way that uh, uh, they, may, they may end up uh, resorting to criminal activities, destitution, as, it, as, we, as we have experienced, leads to uh, increase in crime levels. Uh, so we're hoping that maybe we will get more details around how the government will be able to to register all the 10 to 11, 
11.9 or so million unemployed uh, people. But I think, as you correctly say so, uh, the state capacity is much weaker uh, for it to be able to respond swift uh, to, the, to the crisis. And I think uh, maybe working together with civil society, private sector, there is enough technology and experience uh, that is out there in, in, in civil society, uh, for instance, whether it's the gift of the givers, uh, the likes of your Oxfam and the likes of uh, unemployed people's movement. Uh, they have a database of people uh, from uh, the communities that they work with. So I think pulling together all these efforts would enable the government and the state to be able to uh, respond uh, to uh, with the, with the as a matter of urgency. Yeah. All right, Romeo, you're calling from KZN. Your point. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, and to your guests as well. I just want to quickly talk about this question that you did ask about the documentation. As we know that quite a number of people do not have birth certificates mm. and IDs, which is a very long process for people to acquire. You need to be uh, to applying for all those documents to have them. But I was thinking that uh, last night, uh, uh, there was a program in which he was talking about uh, education in Africa, in which they were comparing South African education, and uh, the guy made a point clearly that uh, uh, some of the countries such as like Lesotho, Namibia, and uh, Zimbabwe, which has got uh, one of the best education. And I was thinking, why don't we go there and find their system, how do they do it? So that uh, immediately uh, the government will also embark on the same system uh, to help the people who do not have also ideas. I wouldn't like to think that when someone has got a birth certificate, you need to take more time before you get an idea. I mean, it's quite really very disturbing for someone to reach as far as to 21, you're still struggling to get an idea. Thanks very much for that, Romeo. I'll just give uh, um, Tandaz a, a, a one minute to respond to that. But before you do that, I want to just ask you, my biggest concern with all of this is that I can see from the executive level that there is political will to deal with this and to deal with it swiftly. And we've seen that. Ex- we've been, you know, we've been seeing them. They become agile every now and then. They're, they keep readjusting regulations and so on, which is a good thing. My concern is whether that understanding of the urgency will trickle down to local government, which is where some money is going to be sitting. I'm anxious about that. Yeah, that's a challenge, as you uh, correctly point, uh, to the reality of uh, incapacities uh, at the local level and various, not only at the local government level, at various uh, spheres and structures of government. Uh, I think uh, one of the mechanisms could be to start introducing performance management and consequence management uh, to bring uh, the required uh, agility, uh, but also make, making sure that we... But Ntanda, with... we've heard this before, right? I mean, that, yeah. that has been thrown around for a while now, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but unfortunately, in a constitutional democracy, you have to follow those processes, but of ensuring that you recruit... A professional uh, public service, but I think for my point of emphasis around how do we bring uh, various partnerships uh, amongst different stakeholders, I think that would be quite critical, especially at this stage. Uh, I know very well that uh, 
uh, mostly civil society and to a great, great extent civil, uh, private sector, they do have the experience and the resources uh, around planning uh, and, 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 and service delivery. So I think those partnerships, uh, if they could be developed and structured, I think they would go a long way in, in helping the government speed up service delivery and uh, challenges. Yeah. But what I wanted also to add, I mean, I agree with the last caller, mm-hmm. and I think we can all draw best practices from all over, whether from the World Food Programme, because they deal with social assistance, other UN agencies, um, but putting more emphasis as we go into the process of an economic restart, jumpstart, prioritize the self-employed, informal traders, businesses that are owned by women and ensuring that women really participate uh, in the economy. And I, I wonder why the, the president didn't think of canceling a household debt as well. Mm. Hmm. Thank you so much for that. Look, we look forward to your formal paper, Tandazondlovu Lhasa, who is a governance uh, program manager at Oxfam. Thank you very much for your take there.